Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Ever have a group of friends in school that, I use friends in quotations, that you uh, followed along with, followed along after, that sooner or later you realize this is not the right crowd. It's not the group I need to be in. We've all done that, I'm sure, on a, in school, on a ball team, in a group of some kind. But sooner or later, we all follow something to somebody. Um, maybe it's a politician, maybe it's an entertainer, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a friend. Uh, Maybe it's a writer of yours that you like to read their writings. Um, we all follow after somebody. What I want us to see today as we, as we begin this series called Disciples or, or Tagalongs is that following is the core essential to our being a disciple of Christ. If we can't learn to follow, we're not going to get much of anything else along the way. But until we can learn to lay down ourselves and our wants and our own desires and learn to follow, uh, we're going to struggle to see his way for us, see his will for us. I titled this series Disciples and Tagalongs out of a conversation I had about four or five years ago with a guy. I was asking him how he was doing, and uh, he had been, I knew he'd been through some hardship. I said, how are things going? And he said, well, you know, we're going okay. He said, uh, I said, how's your, how's your faith journey going? He said, well... I don't know that I know a lot more, that I'm any more deeper than I was when I trusted Christ as my Savior. In fact, he says, I feel like I'm just tagging along for the ride many times with him. I said, you've probably got a lot of company. Many, many believers feel like tag-alongs. They look at themselves and they think, you know, I've been a Christian 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and I don't, I don't know that I'm at any deeper place with the Lord than I was when I first trusted him. In fact, in some cases... It may seem to be in a shallower spot than it was. The key to moving from where you are to where God wants you to, to, to go and be is learning how to follow. Learning how to follow his word, his spirit, his will for you. So let's look at this story here today of uh, John the Baptist. John chapter 1, verses 35 to 39 is our text today, if you'll follow along with me. It says, the next day John was there again. He'd been out uh, baptizing about every day, in fact. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and said, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Now, four things I want us to glean today from this text, talking about disciples being followers. Disciples are followers who are looking for direction, first of all. We're looking for direction. Look at verse 36 again. It says, when he, he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. Look, the Lamb of God. Take notice of, of the Lamb of God that you see passing by. Now, John the Baptist knew that he was the warm-up act to Jesus, that he was not the, the, the real deal. He knew, he knew what his role was and to, to the life and ministry of Jesus and recognized him 
not only recognizes him, but willingly turns his disciples, his followers, in, in Jesus' direction on his own. Uh, it turns them to the one that was worth following. Now, two things today I want us to see about this act of transference. And that's what it was. The first thing is about the leader, and the, uh, the second is about the follower. The leader has to, first of all, recognize his or her own limitations. That's extremely hard for a lot of leaders to do. In fact, in the political realm, in the business realm, in the entertainment realm, in the church realm, there's way too much ego. In fact, ego is rampant. We don't need... <laughs> uh, Leanne and I were talking about school kids these days and about them worrying or their parents worrying so much about bruising their esteem. And I would submit to you that most of us need our esteem bruised from time to time. Uh, it, it teaches us some humility and teaches us that life's not all about us. But here's John recognizing Jesus and willingly telling his disciples, there's the guy to follow. There's the Lamb of God. Leaders to do that have to, have to deal with their ego. Not only is, is that ego true in the realm of politics and entertainment and about every walk of life, it's true in ministry. There are guys standing where I'm standing this morning talking to church after church after church who have way too much ego. And I know them. I know their hearts. So I don't say that in judgment. I say that in, 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 with my own conviction of, of not wanting to think of myself as more important than I should. But that is, that is hard for many guys to swallow, is to swallow their ego, to point somebody in another direction. The second thing, is not only about the leader, but about the follower, is the follower needs to recognize their need for direction. And that sometimes is a, is a hard ask when we're so self-sufficient, we don't need anybody else or anything else to, to, to follow after or to go by or to model ourselves after. But we've got to realize we all need direction. There have been those who have influenced your faith, influenced your growth, influenced your spiritual development, your maturity uh, in a significant way. And it's difficult sometimes for us to, put, to stop putting more stock in what they say and start putting more stock in what God's Word says and what His Spirit says to us. Uh, John could have ignored Jesus passing by that day. Uh, even knowing who he was, could have ignored that and enjoyed the, the adulation of his own disciples and his own followers. But he didn't choose to do that. He looks at Jesus and says, there's the guy to follow. And honestly, what he had been preaching up to then was, there's one coming after me. I'm not the guy. There's one coming after me. He's the one we need to follow. So that's what he does because he knows the disciples are looking for direction. Secondly, uh, disciples or followers who are looking for validation. Look at verse 37. Looking for validation. And the two disciples heard him say this. They followed Jesus. When they heard him say this, they followed Jesus. These two disciples valued John's preaching. They valued his teaching. And had heard it enough that they immediately left and began following Jesus. No questions asked. Most of us would have a dozen questions about that situation. I, I would have. Follow him? Is he smarter than you? Is what he says more, more relevant than what you, it, it, does he have more authority than you? Is he, is he somehow, but why should I follow him? I, is your teaching somehow wrong now? And he's just more right. I've had, had a dozen questions. They have no questions whatsoever. They just immediately leave and start following Jesus. Why? Because what John had sown in, what he had been preaching and teaching about, led them, led, led them to believe there's another coming after it. And when John said, there's the one, they go follow the one who isn't John anymore. Any leader, don't miss this, any leader worth their salt 
in any realm of life will recognize they can just take a follower so far. And after that, they've got to depend on the Lord for the rest. Any effective leader will realize that, realize that they can just take a person so far and God's got to take over and make the rest of this come about, come, come into fruition. I heard uh, earlier this week an interview on the radio with a uh, former UT quarterback by the name of Heath Shuler. Some of you remember Shuler. He was, in his day, the prototype of what's, called the, what's now called a dual-threat quarterback, a quarterback that can both run well and pass well. And he was kind of a rarity in his day. It's becoming more common now. But he had extremely high praise for Hendon Hooker, Tennessee's quarterback today, saying he's probably the best in the game at the dual-threat quarterback. Well, coming from me, you can believe it or not believe it, but coming from Heath Shuler, who's done both of those things well, that's a, a, a resounding endorsement. Why? Because he did both of those things well and, and, and at a very high level. Same idea here where, where John is conveying to his disciples, his followers, there's the one to follow. That's the one. He validates Jesus in front of them and in their presence uh, and, and ushers them into, into following Jesus on their own. Uh, we see here in these verses that precede this text in John chapter 1 that John had become um, quite influential. In fact, he was a cultural force. Everybody throughout Judea knew who John was. They, they heard his message. They, uh, some agreed, some disagreed. He, he ends up being thrown into jail and, and beheaded later. But he, he had become a cultural force. That whole region knew who he was. And so they were likely, in addition to his disciples, these two that, were, that are written about today, a great deal of folks that were around listened to him preach and teach that day. So he validates Jesus in front of all of them. And as, uh, that he is more than just an effective preacher. He's the one to to whom we should give ourselves and our allegiance. So when John said that, it meant something. Just like when he should have talked about Hendon Hooker, it should mean something because he's good at it. He's been good at it at a high level. And here's John with great authority and great cultural influence and, and, and a great deal of adulation, ushering people into Jesus uh, toward him. Uh, and that's uh, to, to, to validate Jesus to them. Well, followers are looking for direction. They're, secondly, they're looking for validation. And thirdly, Disciples are followers who are looking for answers. They're looking for answers. Look at the first part of verse 38 with me. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? What do you want? Now, Jesus knows exactly who they are, and he knows exactly what they want. So this question was less about him and more about them. Uh, he was, it, it, it's the same question today that should be relevant today for our uh, asking others around us. What do you want? Uh, it was relevant then, and it should be asked again and again. Why? Because what we want over time can change. As, a, as an unbeliever, what we want is salvation. As a brand-new believer, what we want is discipleship, is nourishment, is growth. As a maturing Christian, we want to, to, to be able to walk in a deeper place with him, to understand his nature, his ways, his will, his design, his purpose, his plan for us. So from a, from a brand-new Christian to a mature Christian, our wants change. They evolve, over, or at least they should, as we grow. They should evolve from, from our wanting salvation to our wanting intimacy with him and wanting to know his ways and understand his ways more clearly. And so that's, that starts, begins to be what happens here. And so uh, as, as we follow after Jesus, we initially want salvation. And again, as, as we want his word and his will to be understood, that want 
uh, should is going to change over time, and and the questions change over time. Uh, as as we as we grow, uh, as I said, from wanting salvation to wanting the answers to the deeper questions in life, like why am I here? What's my life supposed to be about? Is this circumstance about me or is it about others? Is the valley I'm walking through now bigger than just the valley itself? Is God up to something beyond me, in me, and through me? Those are bigger questions that unless I've got an intimate walk with Christ, it's hard for me to answer because I can understand my salvation. I can understand that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. But understanding my design, understanding God's plan for me, his purpose for me, his his will for me, and understanding situationally in life that God's always up to something bigger than just us is a hard get if we're not walking in a, in a more mature place. It's harder to see. So the questions will evolve over time as we grow. Uh, in fact, this question can be a great conversation starter to your friends and family members and coworkers without Christ. A great way to breach spiritual conversation oftentimes is, hey, what do you want? What do you want out of life? And a great follow-up to that is, how's that working out for you? Are you, are you seeing that? Are you realizing that? Are you, have, have you gotten what you wanted? Are you walking in that place? Have you found it yet? In fact, helping them, your friends and family that are lost, answer that question, what do you want? Have you found it yet? Helping them answer that question is probably one of the more pivotal things in their coming to Christ. Because before a person can receive Jesus, they've got to realize, I'm lost. And what I'm doing is not working. And I don't have the answers. If he does, I need to follow after him. I need to come to know him. And so they were looking for direction. These followers were. They were looking for validation and for answers. And they began to find all those things. Fourthly, though, they were looking for more. Look at the last part of verse 38 and verse 39. Looking for more says, uh, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. Where are you staying? This question was really more centrally about them asking, can we kind of get in on your life? Can we, ha can we have a part in what you're doing? Can we, can we engage you? Can we connect with you at, at a deeper level? Where are you staying? What's your, can, can we come in? And he, he responds by saying, come, come on, I'll show you where, where we're going. Uh, when you think about it, what are disciples really doing when, when they disciple someone is they're bringing them into their world, into their walk, into their life, into their sphere of influence. And on the surface, it can appear like you're tagging along. But in reality, you are doing life with someone at a deeper level where you can, you can start to see, this is why he does that. This is why she's, this is why this is a priority with her, that it's not with me. You begin to see why they make decisions the way they do and why they do life the way they do. Uh, it's, it's much deeper connection than, than just this surface tag along connection. You not only want to hear what they're seeing and what they're doing, but what drives what they're seeing and doing, what, what, how they make decisions. And, and so he says to them, come on in, I'll show you where I'm staying. Come, come in and connect with my life. Uh, to where they're experiencing the same things he was experiencing as well. Matthew 9, 18 and 19 says this, while he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she'll live. Jesus got up and went with him. And watch this. And so did his disciples. He didn't invite them. He didn't say, come on, let's, you're about to see something big here. They know something big is about to happen. 
And so he just follows the, the invitation of, of this person, who, synagogue leader, who, who follows before him and, and says, hey, my daughter's sick and dying. And they get up and immediately follow after, knowing something significant is about to happen here, and I don't want to miss it. I want to experience it. I don't want to hear the story about it. I want to see it. I don't want to be told about it. I want to experience it. That's kind of what Jesus is doing here with these two disciples, former disciples of John, is to say, come on in. I want you to experience this. I, want you, I don't want you to just hear about it. I want you to know that what you know is to be true is true. I want you to know that who you're following is worth, is worth following. The disciple wants to, wants to see, wants an insider's view. They kind of want to see how the sausage is made. A disciple does. They want to see good and bad, ugly. They want, they want that insider's view. And knowing and believing and doing that, that they'll experience something new and different than they've ever experienced before. Why is that the case? Because those disciples realize that there's more. There's more than what I've experienced with John. There's more than what I've known yet. There's more than where I've walked yet. And a true disciple says, I want the answer to that question. I want the answer to the more question. What more is there? What do, what do I, I know or can I know that I've not known? What can I experience that I've not yet experienced? More than what they know, more than what they, where they've been, more than what they've seen, more than what they've experienced. They wanted to know that. And they knew that the more was found in following the one. Not John, but the one. Well, to conclude, a, a, a true disciple follows after Jesus because they're looking for direction. They're looking for validation. They're looking for answers. And they're looking for more. So here's the real question today. Does that look like you? Are you looking for direction? Are you looking for validation? Are you looking for answers? Are you searching and looking for more? Have you found that? Tagalongs want to, want to stay at what they would think to be, at least presumed to be, a safe distance from the Lord. Tagalongs want to, want to, want to stay at a safe distance, but to realize where true discipleship takes us, the more we close the gap between us and Him, the safer it becomes. Don't miss that. We think on the surface that the farther away we are, the safe distance we are away, the less risk there is involved. And that's probably true. But it's not safer out here. The more we close the gap between ourselves and Jesus, the safer it becomes. The less risk there is because we see his hand. We know his ways. We understand his heart. And we can see how he's moving and how all that plans together with his design for us and where we're to go. Discipleship is about following centrally. Are you a follower? Meaning, are you invested? Are you willing to, to, to cast all aside to follow him, to know his ways, to understand his will for your life, to understand his purpose and design for you, and how that fits into his, the, the, the bigger picture of his epic story of what he's up to and what he's doing? Because he's always up to something. He is always up to something in you and wants to, to, to be through you as well. So how are you following today? Is that something that you're pursuing or just absorbing? I want to encourage you to make that a pursuit today. More next week. Let's pray. Father, today, would we hear your word? Would we see, as leaders, would we see the value of following John's example to say, we can just take a person so far, the rest is up to God. The rest is up to our pointing them in a different direction toward you. 
As followers, would we look at this text today and say, does that look like me? Am I willing to, just at the validation and the answers that the, the person who, I, who has influenced me to this point would lead me to, am I willing to walk away from them and walk toward you? Am I willing to drop my life, lay, lay what I want to happen, lay, lay my dreams and goals and plans down and pick up yours for me? Am I willing to sell out and follow a sold-out God? Am I willing to, to do whatever it takes to follow you into wherever life takes me and, and wherever you would lead me, knowing that the closer I am to you, the safer I become? It would seem to be the opposite because the enemy wants us to think, you stay over here where you can predict everything that's going to happen. And as we close the gap to you, we, we understand that we are far safer with you than anywhere else in the world. Help us to see that today, to want it, and beyond wanting it, pursue it. Plan for it. Make it a part of our daily life to seek your will, to understand your word, to follow your spirit, to, to align ourselves with believers who are heading in the same direction, and, 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 and make that a common pursuit to where we can encourage each other, challenge each other, pray for each other. Grateful today with these reminders from your word, we want to be true disciples of yours, not just tag-alongs. So to do that, teach us to follow and to be hungry to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.